All right, Dave, uh, we have one member of staff that has no clue how to describe what it is you do. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to name names. Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, Dustin Lindstrom, and Matt Cavender. Welcome to episode 21 of season 5 of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, presented by Tech Hockey Guide and recorded from the state of hockey. I'm Tim Brown, your host, and I'm joined this week by Rob Gilreath. Hey guys. And Matt Cavender. You already know who it is. Uh, this week, as we prepare for rivalry week with the home and home series against Northern Michigan, we reached out to Dave Ellis, who has broadcast many games, including both the Huskies and the Wildcats across uh, many sports, right? Pretty much, yeah, the whole gamut. If it's a team sport right now and they're playing it between the two, other than uh, Nordic like cross-country stuff, we're broadcasting it. So, yeah, it's uh, soup to nuts in the rivalry for sure. <laughs> no cross-country skiing? Why not? Uh, it's a little tougher to get the cameras out there, and Mark and I aren't fast enough to keep up. Okay. Well, thanks for I joining would, us, Dave. I, I, I want to pay... see you with a steady cam rig, just going along as hard <laughs> no, as you can. I want like a snowmobile, the back of the snowmobile. No, I want to see microphone. Dave skiing himself, just like with a GoPro on his chest. <laughs> I'll do it once. That's it. <laughs> All right. Uh, this week we'll talk about MU, M- NMU season thus far, rivalry week with uh, games in Houghton and Marquette, recap Michigan Tech series with Bowling Green, and probably touch on the state of the CCHA. And since we got Dave here, maybe talk about uh, flow hockey and some of the broadcast rights and how that works for the conference. Anything else, guys? Sounds good to me. I'll be surprised if we don't talk about my my random weekend trip to Lambeau um, since I won tickets on Friday night and didn't find out I was going till like <laughs> six o'clock. So yeah, that was fun. All right. Uh, let's do a brief note from our sponsors and we'll be right back with Dave Ellis. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Are you in the market for insurance? Have your rates for home, auto, boat, or more been increasing way beyond inflation? If so, maybe it's time you spoke with Aaron Piedela and the team at Arcadia Insurance Group, serving Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and more. Who better to serve you than a former Michigan Tech player? For more information, call 866-511-1069 or go to ArcadiaAgency.com. We fund everything at Tech Hockey Guide from listeners like you. You can show your support by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Whether you're interested in question priority, access to patron-only Zoom chats with coaches and players, instat deep dives, extended versions of the podcast, unedited video or audio, early access, or commercial-free listening, there's a level for you. We also now have 15% discounts off annual memberships with tiers ranging from $2 to $50 per month. Again, sign up at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. All right, welcome back, uh, Dave. 
have you been have you been paying attention much to Northern so far this year? As little as I can. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in fact, uh, I did their opener uh, when we. Uh, oh, that's right. I watched with, that. Yep. With a station in Duluth that's uh, also owned by the same people as TV Six. So we did the Hockey Hall of Fame game with the Huskies, and then the weekend after, I did the first game with uh, Northern over there, and it kind of set the tone for what their season has been like. It's fire wagon everywhere. I mean, there's no defense on either side of the puck. That game ended up eight to uh, five to five. They were eight to five the next night. It was just uh, they want to go out and and play it like it's 1978 all over again. <laughs> all kinds of offense all over the place. So it's exciting for the fans. I'm sure it's not real easy on the coaches to try to you know, get this thing calmed down a little bit. But, I mean, we all thought, guys, and I'm sure you did too, that goaltending was settled for them going into this year. And all of a sudden, you got a controversy that Halaz is not playing that well. They put Glockner in. He started to win a couple of games. And now you don't know who's going to start. So without that security blanket in the back, they've had trouble keeping defensemen in the lineup, whether it's injuries or suspensions like last weekend. It's been really tough to figure out what they're going to put on the ice. The only thing you know is they're going to go one direction and one speed. It's all 100% forward and nothing in the back. Yeah, it's. Uh, I know both teams are kind of in a, a similar boat of not maybe being quite where we thought they'd be at this point, especially preseason perspective, perspective from, from the outside anyway, that uh, you know they're picked one, two in the conference and uh, and – and Northern, I mean, Tech has kind of had their slow start, but has kind of, I think, found themselves here the last, what, three, four series to really uh, kind of change the tone and, and get on the right uh, side of things. And now they just need to find a sweep some weekend here to to get above 500 instead of keep wobbling around 500. Um, I mean, a sweep for anybody in this league right now, guys, is like gold dust. You get yeah. four points in a weekend and it feels like a sweep. Just yep. because everyone's so even right now. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, you know, Tech is in first place in points per game at two points per game. Uh, they've got two games in hand on, was it St. Thomas and Lake State, I think. And everybody's in action again this weekend, so that'll continue. Um, and I think, if I remember correctly, Bowling Green and Bemidji also play the weekend after. So Tech... And somebody Ferris will be the only ones with eight games, I think, going into the break here. Or ten there'll be two games behind everybody else going into like holiday tournament season. Um so that's well, always stat wise, let me throw this one at you that so far this year, Tech has given up ten goals on the rush and they've scored ten goals on the rush. For Northern, they've scored fifteen in transition like that, but they've given up seventeen goals on the rush this year. So if you're expecting this to be a two-to-one <laughs> sit back and defend kind of game, I don't think you're going to be real happy. I don't, but I, yeah, I don't think anybody that uh, that even expects that is actually happy with it. So it's kind of cool to see a, a. It might be fun to watch them play a wide open game a little more and and the back and forth and uh, you know see what can happen. I don't know. Uh, I don't necessarily just want back and forth. I just want actual zone time for us. I mean, it was a struggle this weekend to have sustained the pressure. Yeah. Well, it's nice to see it pay off a little bit too. I mean, when when you look at what's happened before and how Tech has created goals, it's been just you know trying to work it in the zone a lot, where they're actually creating some turnover goals now. So they've got right now, I think it's nine off of turnovers directly. 
And, you know, when you're doing that, that means you're applying a lot of forward pressure and you're creating that kind of offense. Now, you're giving up a little bit because, you know, the back line is still, it's, yes, there's some older ages on those guys, but this is not an experienced bunch in the back. And you can see that when they play inside the zone right now, I don't think they're communicating as well as they should. And I really don't think up until last weekend that Blake Pietala has played like Blake Pietala. And and the last two games, I think he has. No, yeah, I, he had some fantastic saves this weekend. It's the first yeah. time he's shown that all year. Yeah, I think he's made some good saves, but he hasn't like, like he hasn't stolen a game slash really saved them on like he's been hung out to dry a lot, but yeah. he also hasn't found a way to get those saves when he has been as much as last year. Um, and we've said it over and over again that I think the biggest thing that tech fans and the media underestimated was just how long it was going to take that defense to figure out how to play with all the new faces and and the general youth. Like, Chase Pietel is a hell of a player, but he's still a freshman. And Lachlan Getz and, and Matt Campbell are very good players, but they're still new to the team and have basically one's a redshirt freshman, the other one's almost a redshirt freshman for the amount of games he played last year. Um, so you've got, and I think, I, you know, I said it before, I think both those guys bring an awful lot to the table that I can see why Joe picked to bring, chose to bring them in, but that defense is severely lacking in having a Ryan O'Connell type that came in as a grad transfer that's got the experience and can calm things down and be that, that like, that solid defenseman that keeps it all organized, whereas these guys are all just still trying to figure it out with each other. I'm a little surprised that Evan Orr hasn't gotten more of a look even as a seventh and addressing the extra D because you know that's a guy who's got more of a, I mean, he's the only one I think of right now that on a two on one would be actually skating backward. It seems like all the rest of them, they're chasing through the middle and they're actually skating forward to get back in a position where Evan's a guy who can keep the play in front of him. So yeah. that may be a guy that, you know, in the second half, if he can get through the, uh, the practices and impress the coaches enough that can get a look and maybe change the fortunes of, of how the back line goes, but experience will teach you a lot. I'm just not sure right now that the development arc that I'm seeing that you're going to, by the end of the season, late part of February, early part of March, that you're going to see a lot of difference right now. It's just going to have to be something they overcome. Okay. You know, it's definitely a, a point of uh, change from previous teams where, where the defense has always been solid and the offense has been more questionable. Um, while they've struggled to score at times, it does seem like the, you know, seeing how much uh, Gordon's come around as a rookie, uh, you know, obviously the biggest thing with the offense is trying to figure out how to get Kyle Kukunen clicking again, yeah, like he did last year. And I don't really know what's going on there. I know on our Discord, there's a lot of talk about <clears throat> maybe the conference kind of figuring him out in some respects, but at the same time, it just, some of it just feels like he's, some of it feels like he's kind of trying to play a little bit different game than last year. That's that's taking away from what he did. And some of it feels like he's just pressing too much, um, trying to do too much for whatever reason, putting too much on himself. And it's just he's not relaxed and comfortable in the game right now. I think there's a real parallel between him and the season Logan Pietela had as a sophomore. 
where he yeah. didn't end up with a goal that whole year where you could see the sawdust coming off the off the stick because he was <laughs> gripping it so tight by the end yeah. of the year. It just wasn't going for him and didn't matter what he did. He created as many chances. The puck just didn't go in. And I think Kyle has had those chances a couple of times this year. And really, you're just kind of waiting for the one to go in where it breaks the dam. And, and that finally gets the monkey off of him and – and, yeah. and you can finally see this guy start to perform. But you're right. I mean, now you're starting to see a little rotation that I didn't think that the mosley pietala in line was going to break up all year, that you're going to see 9-11-13 together the whole time. And moving Mosley off that line was a big surprise to me to see that, you know, it's kind of been his security blanket, but maybe that's just the coaching staff trying to shake things up for him a little bit. Yeah. For the you long, young folks listening out there, sticks used to be made of wood. That's what Dave's talking about. That's true. Yeah, used to be made by companies like Sherwood. I think they wanted a business for a reason because you can't call it Sure Composite anymore. Hey, now Sherwood is still in business, and they landed a major deal with being able to sponsor Bedard. Okay. Oh, okay. So Sherwood I, I, is still around. Who's Corey Perry's using now? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Great question. Nobody a different right stick, now. right? <laughs> yeah, that part is at least false from what we understand, but we'll see, I guess. It's been uh, it, it it you you so wanted some of it to be true because it was such <laughs> so a funny bizarre such a story. Funny, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, no, I I really think that a lot of that shifting around. It's you know you're gonna see. In game changes, I, I think more than uh, Joe's been pretty uh, not a slave to it, but you know, by the end of the second period was about the only time you started to see him shuffle lines a little bit. Where you know with Mel Pearson, the line chart was a suggestion. It, it was kind of <laughs> like you know put it on with magnets. Don't put them on on a paper because you needed to move them around as quickly as you could. So I, I think Joe likes that chemistry between certain players, and certainly he always wants to keep Logan Pietala with Kyle Kukinen because it's just that kind of calming influence. When you see Kyle move away from Logan, now you know that something is really up, that he's really trying to shake things up. Okay. Yeah, yeah. One of the things, at least I noticed during uh, Saturday's game is, you know, we, the goal comes from Cash on the, on the on the fourth line, the guys that aren't getting a ton of time. Yeah, didn't he have like four minutes, like the whole game, and he just made the most of them? <laughs> Three minutes and 58 seconds. Didn't yeah, he so minute he... mark, right? So his goal production, you know, per minute is uh, a lot better than some others on the team right now, right? <laughs> Augie, if you're listening, I want the the individual XG on Kukinen for that one. <laughs> I just want to know what it would be like if we could extrapolate that to 60 minutes. <laughs> but that line with, with him, uh, I think it's him, Blaze Richards, uh, and, and Nordstrom has been, when they're out there, they are. They seem to be the ones that are bringing the energy and bringing things up and actually pushing hard on the forecheck. It's not a passive, you know, sit back and wait. And again, I'm I'm not played hockey. I've just watched a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems like to me when that pressure is up there and high, it drives mistakes and it drives opportunity in in the other side of the ice rather than waiting for it to come down on you. I don't know why we're playing so passive with the skill guys. Uh, and not having somebody up there pushing to help that that you know that F one forward pushing on the forecheck. We don't seem to be forechecking anywhere near as much as we were last year. And I have no statistical evidence to back that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mentioned the turnover goals. It's not that nine eleven thirteen bunch that's creating the turnover goals. Sure, You're right. Yeah. Rob. When when you look at it, 
it's it's Richards that's turning them over. It's Gordon that's turning them over. It's those guys that are putting the effort in as the the lead four checker that are making those turnovers happen. And and I think that's maybe a little bit of a lesson of, of why you want to you know get your your top line a little bit more involved in in some aggressive forecheck. It's working. Like we said, ten goals off of turnovers means this is not just a fluke. It, it doesn't just happen because somebody put a pass in the wrong spot. These are forced turnovers that they're getting these goals on. It's not just somebody making a bad pass. So, you know, I, I there, think there was a lot of that on Friday. I Joe's oh, yeah. comments after the after the game of there was no skill in this game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, that was one of the roughest games I've watched. There's there's time on time like it looks like we're watching high school hockey. Like the, there's there's no sharpness. It's it's a bunch of guys around the puck just fighting even off the boards. You know, there were fights in the middle of the in the middle of the ice that should be open ice play. It's not board battles in the middle of the rink, you know. It was it was a yeah. it was an interesting game to watch on Friday. I'll admit, I'll admit yeah. that I did not get to watch any of the hockey this weekend. Yeah. I think Friday night rough. I had a work dinner and yeah. Saturday night to my surprise I had to drive to Wisconsin. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, Friday night I think frustrating is a very polite way to put it. Yeah. Um Emma in our uh, Discord who goes by Sports Girl MTU. Um I think she put it very well when she said that Bowling Green looks like bloody stool and uh <laughs> let's and I absolutely think that's correct and we played worse than bloody stool i appreciated the big stinky university sign that made me laugh pretty hard that somebody had somebody had up at the rink but yeah it was it was rough to watch it it just it's not what you expect to see and have that be one of the games i'm seeing in person is like ah gross why don't i get to see one of the good ones I don't know why it is that the Falcons always cause trouble in that building. And they always seem to score late, too. It's happened so many times since they started coming back up in there. The only game that I can – or weekend I can remember that they didn't do that was the 2017 championship game. That they and we also got to remember that they didn't give up that whole time. They were forcing those extra overtime, so they were still causing yeah. trouble. Yeah, for sure. So it's – I mean, but still, you, you look at Chase Pietola – puts the puck in a wide open net in the overtime, or if he doesn't just hang his head back after he didn't get the goal and then get back on that two on O that developed in there, well, maybe that's something that changes up, but it's, uh, it, it's getting kind of frustrating that every time I see this go to three on three or the shootout. Now, if, if there's an extra point coming to Michigan tech, it's a fluke. I don't think I've, I don't, I, when's the last time tech won a shootout. It's been a long time. I mean, you've got a, a generational goaltender right well, now. You well, think that, that it gives counts. you an advantage. Didn't they win one that didn't count? The Duluth Probably. one. I think the yeah, Duluth, the Duluth one they didn't count. The Duluth count, one they... that didn't count, yeah. Right. Wait, did <laughs> they lose that? Or, yeah, they did. Oh, I don't remember if they remember. won that or not. I think oh, they lost that one. one, right? I think they lost that one. Did they win one? I don't know. I mean, the overtime stuff, maybe it's fluky, but like they've they've won a couple times in overtime this year. A couple. And yeah. that, that seems and like it's against the norm. Yeah. Oh, over time. Yeah. Since it was yeah. created. I mean, half the reason I think I don't like overtime is because tech didn't really know how to play it till this year or last end of last year. Like it was frustrating to watch them play overtime hockey because they just didn't seem to quite know what to do or, or, or when they play for the shot, they'd get it and miss. Cause that's kind of what they do. And like, 
<laughs> like if you're going to play for the shot, you better get it on goal. He might save it, but you got to get it on goal. Yeah, there 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 was one I think it was this weekend in the new OT where it was driving in on net or maybe it was uh, one of the the power plays which was also rough this weekend. Uh where it was just driving in on net and just taking the shot without any any thought of what happens afterwards. They have to have the mentality of what what are you going to do if you miss the net, you know? Or how are you going to keep possession in three on three? Because the instant it gets lost, that's that's when they go back down and score. You know, it, if you're going to take that risk and drive low and have two guys low, you have to be ready to bust your butt back to get back and cover. And that didn't happen. I'm pretty sure that's what happened with the goal. So it's I don't know. Overtime <laughs> three on three, yeah, gross. I still don't like it. I don't know that we're <laughs> going to see any of it this weekend. <laughs> it's uh. It, it's so unpredictable, I, I know, when, when these two get together. But Northern's been pretty much to form that they are terrible away from home and they've found a way to get wins when they're in their own barn. It's I think they're 1-6-1 away and like 5-1-1 one one at home at one point. So as much as you want to just discount that, well, you know, occasionally some teams they play well against and occasionally some teams they don't. It's if you look at the form guide, it just matters where they're playing, not really who they're playing. Augustana had the best weekend of any team that's played so far in the Barry last weekend. They got a tie, <laughs> won the shootout, and then won in regulation on Saturday. And I, we saw Augustana. I, that's a team that I think really has developed faster than anyone thought they were going to. Yeah, for sure. Me. Absolutely. I mean, and I don't think Northern took them seriously. And, and, they certainly will be taking it seriously this weekend, but you know, that, that's right now. It, it's a team that just wants to be in their own locker room, and and you got to take advantage of that on Friday night to start the weekend off with three points. Yeah, I would be very interested to see. Uh, well, first of all, I think that's great insight that they're just like not a great road team, and they've been playing so great at home. But one of the things that I've always found interesting about this series is that it almost feels like every time Tech and Northern play each other, you can just throw everything away is just like the rivalry just kind of like takes over it's a different energy like some kind of it, it's like the mysterious third thing that comes in and like throws a wrench into the all, all the analytics because <laughs> everyone's just like everyone's pumped up to go like some people are playing with an edge like we all remember the little man griffin Lofren. he would always seem to be in a, in a different uh for better or for worse kind of in a different headspace for that game so it's always can't miss television. I can't wait to see like what the wild card is this time. By the way, Griffin Lochran is uh, number two in the country in penalty minutes again for Canisius. Yeah. So <laughs> he is reverting to form. Um, if you're shocked, let me know. But I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I, I I think you're right uh, for sure, Matt. That when I read the uh, the series preview from you guys this week, I'm expecting that point number three in the keys is going to be expect the unexpected. because (laughs) it's just the way that it works out. And when you're doing games on TV, that's a lot of fun because uh, everything I plan for, I I think I usually plan at least 10 or 12 different things that I want to work in during a broadcast. And typically in these, you can, by the third period, rip it all up because I haven't used any of it because it's gone completely (laughs) in a different direction. I mean, just look at the last game that they played that none of us want to remember. I mean... Uh, I don't think anybody saw that game going that way before it started. Um, A lot of things led to that. And when you combine it with what happened in Allentown, like something happened that that team just kind of 
didn't perform those last two games. But uh, it's uh, there's something about that rivalry because you know, Mich- Mitch's Misfits was created out of a game that that Tech was not the greatest team that year and somehow managed to have a crazy game against Northern at home to kick off a season. And sometimes that stuff happens early in the year, but Northern Tech games were always interesting and they always seemed to go counter to whatever the teams themselves were doing that year. Like, Let, let me tell you, Tim, the video of that game is like the holy grail of everything I've been searching for. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've gone back as far as to find the team video guy from Michigan Tech, Ray Haskin, and to see if he's got it someplace. Yeah. And w- whether it's it's still squirreled away in a corner and nobody f- remembered that it was there. The problem is when that game was played, that was before, before TV6 had a bureau in Houghton. And without the Bureau, if you're getting highlights back for a show that night, that meant even with a seven o'clock face-off, you had to leave the rink by nine o'clock at the very latest. And with everything that happened in that game happening so late, nobody was there. There there was no video that existed. And in fact, Dirk Hembroff is still looking for the audio clips of that. (laughs) So for some reason, we all know about it. We know it happened. And Tim, you can prove it. Yeah, but we don't have any kind of tangible audio or video evidence I, that it actually happened. Was it pre cell phone too? So nobody shot it that way. Yeah, I <laughs> feel like Dave Fisher sent me audio of the if, goals. If Fisher has had this thing squirreled away this long, yeah. and hasn't <laughs> turned it over, the next time he's back in town, I'm pulling his alumni card. <laughs> Here, let me. Let me search for it on my phone. All right, I found so, it here, but I can't play it off the computer. It won't. You guys won't hear it. So yeah. while you're looking for it, uh, just I mean, I remember going to the very first game between Michigan Tech and Northern back in 1979, and uh, just for your trivia purposes, Darcy Way was the first goalie to get a win in the series for either team. He won that game. I think it was three to two. So uh, the fifth game they ever played was in Duluth. In the 1981 NCAA consolation game, my dad took me over. We drove uh, the the afternoon to go over to, to the old deck and go watch that game. And the uh, the guys always tell the story that most of them, let's say, had spent a pretty late night at the bar the, uh, <laughs> the night before on both teams. So they were not exactly in the best of playing shape. And even when you watch them come out with the uh, the video at the end to come get their medals, there are a couple of green faces <laughs> All right. over there. Here we go. 250 left to go in the third period. Six to three to score. Wildcats with the lead. They right now appear to be getting a two games to none advantage in this Ramada Cup series. Penalty coming up against the Wildcats. Englehart will take the draw from Michigan Tech. A power play now with two and a half left to go. Stranger things have happened. Huskies need two and three guys on that puck. Now they do. Connor had a chance on It's a one-goal game. 49 seconds left to go. Here's back to the point for Dora. Dora down deep. Murphy should go. <laughs> oh man, that is awesome. But I'm gonna beat every meter in the building. Is it clipping on your audio too, Tim, or is this not coming across the best? I don't know. I can. I'll okay. actually put it in. The yeah, you should. Yeah, I was about to say yeah. you should either give this to Nick or edit that in because this is great. <laughs> but 
that is fan. That is a great touchstone of like uh, Michigan Tech history there, which is oh. great to have. Yeah, that's one of those uh, red letter days in the rivalry for sure. The other one that uh, I was just looking up this week was February seventeenth of two thousand and five, which uh, I believe in the NCAA record books is still the tenth most penalty minutes ever issued <laughs> in a college game. A hundred for Tech, ninety one for Northern, and it ended in a three three tie. So, so, so speaking of penalties, Northern seems like a rather a pretty penalized team so far this year, right? Is yes. that because of their their lack of structure on defense and trying to recover, or what? I think What's there's a little on? reaching right now, uh, but it's also the way that they're playing too. These there've been a lot of aggressive penalties, and uh, the couple games that I've seen them a lot, there've been a lot of lazy penalties too. So that that would go to the getting tired out a, a little bit. It's not a lot of hooking or holding type calls, so Tim. I, I think we've seen a lot more. They took two five minute majors for head contact in Saturday night's first period. Yeah, the one was like immediately too, wasn't it? Yeah, I, yeah. Someone pointed it out on their phone. <laughs> it, was, it happened right away. Yeah, they. I mean, they've been playing a man short a lot. They're not great at the penalty kill. I know the Huskies have struggled a little bit, but each of them right now are only around seventy five percent. The difference is. Northern has taken so many more penalties that it's really coming back to hurt them more that they're averaging a power play goal a game. And that's helpful. But when you start looking at, all right, uh, the the stat that I always like to look at is take your penalty kill percentage and take your power play percentage and add them together. And if you're over a hundred and you're positive, then you're getting something out of special teams. I don't know that they've hit a hundred yet, even though they're, they're, scoring a lot of power play goals i think has not i don't think either of them are i think well i think tech's worse slightly worse in both categories but like you said they've allowed a lot less penalty kill opportunities right the sample size is different yep yeah northern's at seven northern is exactly at your 100 metric are they (laughs) and tech is like 98 or 97 i think yeah yeah well i mean the the difference is northern has just got it, it it turns into a special teams battle Yep. And if that happens this weekend, I, I don't know which way I lean just because Northern has the talent. I, I think one of the things that surprised me a lot about the way that they've been scoring power play goals, though, is they're not creating a lot of traffic in front of the net. They only have two goals on tips so far this year, which means you know, when you're scoring that many power play goals and they've got 11 right now, uh, actually make that, sorry, 16 power play goals. Only two of them on tips. So you're getting clean shots coming through, and there aren't a ton off of rebounds either. So uh, when you're looking at that, you really need to make sure you don't give up the initial good shot. Get in the shooting lanes. Make sure that they don't get the first one in there because they're not really depending on cashing in on the second or getting something right off of it. So if that's a key, possibly. I haven't gone through and really – I'll boil down as much Northern as I should right now to, to lead into this weekend. But uh, the couple games I have seen them, I went to the Bowling Green game last Friday uh, when they were down in, uh, in Northwest Ohio. And that really impressed upon me that when they moved the puck, Bowling Green was taking away the initial shots. And that really just kind of shunted their power play. And by the time the, the third period was rolling the wrong way on them and the game was so far out of hand, they gave up five goals in the third. And just never looked like they were going to recover because Bowling Green took away what they you know, what they wanted to do. And when you look down now and see that Bowling Green is what 60th in the pairwise 
Uh, yeah. if, if that's the 60th best team in the country, there's so much parody in college hockey. I, I don't think you'll ever see anything like it again. Well, I think they have, they've got the story of two seasons, really. I mean, the, yeah. the way they had to start with the suspension and Eigner being suspended as well is clearly not indicative of the team they are. They've, they've got their early season kick in the pants that. Yeah. Like you've seen teams that are like artificially inflated all the time. I almost feel like Bowling Green is a team that for lack of a better term is almost artificially deflated because of the way they had to start. I can see that for sure. And, and I think they also seem to be putting a little chip on their shoulder now that they're all back and able to do what they they expect to do right yeah and i understand that earlier in this podcast i did say they played like bloody stool but (laughs) 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 so i know we might be a little getting a little whiplash in my opinions here but you hear what i'm saying they've always been a frustrating team to play against so they play that kind of rough tumbly style they bemidji has their style bowling green has their style and those two tend to be the the style that you expect to see that kind of game I think the difference for me is that Bowling Green's always had a pretty well-defined top line, a, a pretty well-defined second and third, and a definite fourth line. And now they've turned into a, a team full of second-line players. So there's not really the dominant guy that can go out and you can depend on him to get you the goal. But they're also not seeing a lot of drop-off when they get down the bench. And when Ty cuts the bench down and shortens it up, I don't think you're seeing a whole lot of difference. And, and it really – the two or three games I've watched them intently, he hasn't had to do that. I mean, because the fourth line is pretty much the same as the second line that he's throwing out there, which can be good if you're looking for a real high-energy game, but they just don't have any game-breakers right now. And I think that's what's going to hurt them down the stretch. I don't see them as a home ice team. It could certainly change if they find somebody that can start getting some goals on a regular basis that can be dependable. But I, I just don't think they have enough to sustain it right now and, and finding ways to get away from their goaltending issues, which, yeah, I know that he didn't give up a bunch this weekend, but Colmore is big and the guy could fight Godzilla if he was any bigger <laughs> out there. That's... I think Ben Bishop's the only goalie I've ever seen that was bigger in college, but <laughs> he's so bad with his upper body. He wants to stop everything with his shoulders. Once he goes to, and he goes down every play, then he wants the shoulders up. His hands are not very good. And the goal that Tech got with Casca Pirti, I think was great evidence of that, that he, even when he's down and he's got his mitt on top of the puck, he still can't feel it. He has no idea where the puck is down. <laughs> so if you can get in tight on this guy and really make him work with his upper body, I think he's beatable. And by the time people have a book on him in the second half of the year, I think you're going to see him get beat a lot in the top half of the net. Yeah, that's one of the first things that uh, you sit down and you, you look on both ends of the ice and you see more is like the, the crossbars down here. <laughs> you know, it's 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 uh, it's halfway down there at the bottom of the Falcon logo. And Blake is like this in the net on the other side, you know, and it's, it's wiping me out in the background. But Blake looks like he's barely able to stand up and get his shoulders into the crossbar at times with how low <laughs> and compact he gets. And you have more who just looks like a giant. It was two very different goalies uh, to see on the ice. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you work in manufacturing, product design, or product development? Is your business trying to improve efficiency while also producing at scale? Livonia Technical Services can help. 
They provide world-class quality improvement training and consulting for failure modes and effect analysis, product development, and cost reduction. All things that could help Northern Michigan assemble a competent defense. If you think your business could use a prevention mindset and reduce manufacturing costs, a partnership with Livonia Technical Services might be right for you. Check them out at LivoniaTech.net. That's L-I-V-O-N-I-A-Tech.net. Fibke Dental is a general dentistry practice located in downtown Rhinelander, Wisconsin, home of the Hodag. Look online at FibkeDental.com or find them on Facebook. They do pain-free dentistry for kids, adults, people that went to great schools, and people that ended up at Northern Michigan. Stop in and say hi between 8 and 5 and tell them THG sent you. That is F-I-E-B-K-E Dental.com. All right, Dave, uh, we have one member of staff that has no clue how to describe what it is you do. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, not going to, I'm not going to name names. Because I you, don't is know, there a... Matt, that I can boil it down like that. <laughs> do you, you want day job or side hustle? I, I can give you either story. Why don't you give us one of each? Okay. Well, uh, the reason that I side hustle and do so much college hockey and and stuff in the UP, uh, I grew up in Calumet, uh, about two blocks from the Calumet Armory, and I refuse to call it the Coliseum. I don't care what they're (laughs) going to do with the name on it. It is always the Calumet Armory to me. Uh, My dad took tickets at uh, first at D Stadium and then at what was then just the Student Ice Arena. And he was good friends with Tom Ruby, who was the official scorer up in the press box and Tom let me come up to go see what they were doing and I met Bob Olson who was the radio voice of the Huskies then and absolutely fell in love with being in the press box so by the time I was seven years old I ran the stat sheets from the press box to the locker rooms in between periods and I was hooked and college (laughs) hockey was going to be where I wanted to go so uh, my first job in TV was working at TV6 back in the early 90s in Marquette I worked for five years as the weekend sports anchor at the CBS station in Lansing, Michigan, and then moved over and worked at uh, at Michigan State's athletic department and kind of got back into what I did as an undergrad. I produced the Ron Mason TV show uh, from 1990 until 1992. And then when I went back into athletics, was hosting Ron's show for another 12 years after that. Uh, well, his show and then the, the hockey shows after that, after he retired in 2002. So I've always wanted to be, you know, as much around college hockey as I can. And uh, Dirk Hembroff and I go way back to where we used to call high school games back in the early 90s, where I'd come up with the TV camera from Marquette, be in the press box at the McInnes uh, with the camera set up next to where Dirk was set up doing a high school game. And I'd wear the headset as the analyst. Dirk would talk while the puck was in play and I'd shoot video so I could get the highlights. And as soon as I hit stop and the play stop, then I'd talk. So we kind of you know, put the band back together every once in a while to get those uh, the, those couple games that I'll do on the road with him. My day job is working in the College of Ag and Natural Resources at Michigan State. And because I've been here now for almost 25 years, I have lots of vacation time to play with. And Friday at five o'clock, I get to you know go home and do what I want to. And college hockey is what I wanted to do. When I left athletics at MSU was the same year that TV6 got the contract to start doing Tech and Northern Hockey. And uh, the first games that we did were February 21st and 22nd of 2014. Uh, The initial people that TV6 wanted to do the games 
were two Northern guys. And Suzanne Sandergret said, absolutely not. You are getting something <laughs> to balance this out. And she knew that I had just left the athletic department and said, you should give them a call. So I did. Called Rick Rhodes, who was then the sales manager that was putting this together. He said, yeah, we'll give it a shot. It sounds like you got some good broadcasting chops. We had a great time that first weekend. And uh, it just kind of snowballed from there. So I've gone from just showing up and calling a game every once in a while up there to, all right, we're going to do a little bit more uh, back behind the scenes stuff and increase what we can do in the intermissions. And now I'm the executive producer. So I'm doing all kinds of other side hustle stuff with Peacock and Big Ten Network and a couple other places around. But this is one that I refuse to give up. (laughs) I've always been not just a college hockey kid, but a UP college hockey kid. And to be able to do Tech Northern games is as big a career accomplishment as I can think of from you know the kid that used to at two o'clock in the morning try to tune in Bob Olson's broadcast from Denver <laughs> when uh, you were just kind of getting some late nights and listening there. So it's uh, it, it's really fun to do these. Uh, I've always tried to take everything from the other shows that I work on, from all the big networks to just the little shows in town, and take a little piece of those. Anything I found that was interesting, and make the shows better for what you're going to see when you watch our shows in the UP. So for the people that don't get to watch our stuff uh, on flow from, from Houghton because they use the building stuff, I totally understand. I'd rather listen to Dirk than me anyway. <laughs> and that's always been the case. Well, at least he knows, Rob. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I mean, everybody knows you'd rather listen to Dirk for sure. But we still we get the games in Marquette, and, uh, and it, it's a lot of fun to show people what we can do now. We've done some – Great stuff with the championship games, with some pregame shows. I think the features have really come along. We've got some great ones coming up this weekend uh, with the four Finns that are playing on the Tech roster. They were fantastic. That story is is really a lot of fun. And even if we're not the uh, the show that's on flow on Friday night, uh, Tech has those, so you'll be able to see those in the intermissions. They'll run them just without the, the TV6 stuff with it. And then the second intermission is a guy that I really liked and was one of my favorites growing up. We talked to Brian the Cannon Hannon who is, believe it or not, the all-time leading American goal scorer for Michigan Tech hockey of any of the Americans that's played. <laughs> and he's, he's like and he's goal. like 12th overall or something like that, right? He's, 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 he's I, right on the fringe, like 12th or 14th, but he's yeah, at 75 now. goals. Yep. I was looking so, at the list trying to trying to figure that out because part of the pro- – after you told me that when we were talking earlier after we scheduled this was uh, I was trying to figure out where he actually ranked, and it was kind of hard because the Century Club sorted by points. Yep. And then the and then the <laughs> sure. and then the site only lists the top ten goal scorers and all of them are Canadian. <laughs> Till you get to Brian. Yeah. And he's floating around in there. And then we've I actually went over to go talk to Dominic Shine from uh, Northern and Joel Esperance, who are both playing for the Grand Rapids Griffins. So kind of getting their take on what the rivalry was uh, was like for them and what it's like playing together now, and that'll air on uh, Saturday night from the game down at uh, at the Barry Event Center. So those are the fun things that I, I really like getting a chance to do and kind of getting a nod back to some of the, the broadcasters that have been around through both of these programs' histories, at least since I've been around. We did some things with old Bob Olson clips. I know, Tim, you got a chance to use those when uh, when we lost Bob. We did some stuff with Joe Blake, who was the original play-by-play voice for Northern Michigan. And uh, we did it last year in Marquette. We're going to do it again on Friday night. Uh, we're doing a Carl Pellenpon night. And if you're a UP <laughs> kid and, and you remember Carl for 53 sure. years, so he hosted so. a, yep, the Finnish language show on Sunday mornings. And Carl would have loved these four Finns that are playing now. But 
Mark uh, Evans and I got powder blue sport coats special made last year, <laughs> and we are bringing those out again. I have people awesome. wanting, I, like, I want the, one of those. Like, there are only two that exist, and, yeah. and we got to keep them aware. So we're going to break them out on Friday night, and Friday night will be Carl Pelinpon night. That's awesome. That's good stuff. <laughs> That's cool. So that, that does that kind of give you a nutshell, Matt, of, you know, if there's a question now, I'm helping with uh, <laughs> with the behind-the-scenes stuff. I'll be on Friday morning pulling cables and getting all the technical stuff together. And by the time we hit 7 o'clock, I'll put uh, that Tim, on. And... Tim and I have learned after moving all this crap around that that's a job <laughs> in and of itself yeah, when we yeah. try to record on yeah. location. I was like, man, I, I, think, really, I really want to – yeah, I really, really right. think I want to spend the money on the headset with the microphone in it because <laughs> not having to deal with all these uh, the the booms and all that stuff like that would make life so yeah. much easier when we travel at least. Yeah. Like I like having it here and not whatever, but like traveling and the board and trying to get the the webcam set up so we can record us and everything. Like it's it's a lot to yeah. get yeah. it all right <laughs> setting up the jerry's apartment was an exercise of oh boy tim get it to work yeah <laughs> you're a bit there <laughs> all right but yeah uh i think first of all dave you gave me a great answer of what you do and to summarize uh you work for michigan state's college of agriculture as like your your bread and butter day job yep um broadcasting has always been a passion of yours like growing up in calumet and now you kind of work as you know, executive producer for TV six. And then you kind of like are a hired guns for other things. Like I'm friends with you on Facebook. I've seen you do like Notre Dame football, yep. just kind of like whenever someone needs a guy to slot in, that's kind of where you step up. Yeah. Is that a good summary? I think so. Uh, one of the things that I think you guys can definitely you know, sympathize with this one. I'm one of those kind of people that if I want to make sure it's done right, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to delegate, which means <laughs> I'm probably overextending most of the time. I want to pull the cables. I want to be the guy running down to do the interviews in between periods. I want to be the one that's that's making sure that we get the features out on time. I want to be the one negotiating the contracts to make sure that we get the best deal for all the sides that uh, that are involved in it. And it's been really tough to kind of, you know, let some of that go and let some really talented people do some things. But <laughs> the one thing I have learned, and uh, it, it was a tough lesson, it took me a long time to learn, is that it is a much more rewarding life to do what you want to do instead of the things that you have to do. And right now I'm lucky enough to do the things I want to do. And this is definitely top of the list is doing tech hockey. Yeah, that's kind of where this podcast falls into it. Uh, yeah. at, le at least when the <laughs> yeah. team, you know, uh, isn't 0-4 and 3. <laughs> Well, makes it a lot. For those of us that suffered through the four win season, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, hey. I've, we've talked a lot about how most of our Discord is full of spoiled people that don't remember <laughs> the lean, lean years. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, even when I bitch in the Discord, I bought another pair of black and gold shoes. I mean, it's, I'm not changing my colors for nobody, no matter how the team's yeah. doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the side passion thing. I mean, one of the neatest things sitting up there in the press box at GLI last year, recording a podcast while watching tech hockey down below was just that's ridiculous <laughs> i've never thought i'd be doing that right? last year was like one of the highlights of like my hockey fandom in general like yeah, just sitting there reacting awesome. with with we had brett with thorne players, up in the box with us we, yeah yeah we had brett just thorne, watching a game had... bsing about hockey and we talked to cal <laughs> for awesome. like a half hour yeah, yeah we talked was... to cal for a long that whole that whole time that whole experience was just awesome and and not just that know, like, but I the know. fact that zoom made it work that the That's crowd true. and everything yeah. didn't ruin it. Like the bands, well, all that stuff didn't ruin it. 
as we've now learned, recording via Zoom can have someone in a combine and you don't have background noise. So <laughs> which is just incredible. <laughs> yeah, which was yeah, because uh, we've had they, Dustin we had du- on yeah. with corn going behind him. <laughs> yeah, Dustin has a family farm that he helps like harvest on that he was literally recording while he was harvesting and we could not hear That's the combine. Hilarious. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that actually came back to haunt us during COVID when Dirk couldn't make it down to do one of the Ferris games in person that I went up and was his boots on the ground at Ferris. And he called it by watching the web stream from the studios in Hancock. But because zoom was so good at taking background noise out, you couldn't get any natural sound out of the arena because it would automatically mute it. <laughs> no, sure. Yeah. You got to turn that off. There's a way to turn it way off. To come up with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, that's hard. It, it's really nice though. Cause like, even when I rec- like, so we usually do, we record so long that we usually break these into two episodes for the public. So it's a little more digestible. So they don't get, some of them love it, but most of them are diehards and pay for it anyway. So, but the public try and get like an episode that's under an hour. So to do that, I cut it in half. So I have to re-record the intro to say episode 22. Well, I still use Zoom for that because it's, then it sounds the same because it's the same filter instead of just recording it straight in like audacity or something where uh where it'll sound different and then it doesn't fit with the rest of the intro they, they I have I really to do like that, their product uh, and how they do all that uh noise canceling stuff when when we record some of the stuff for our uh ins and outs and the intermissions if I'm doing something that's not on camera and on site since I recorded all the audio for the feature in my basement here in lower Michigan yeah. I have to record it here so it sounds the same <laughs> so I get it Yep. No, very similar. Sounds good. Thanks, Dave. Well, thanks for coming on, Dave. Thanks a lot, boys. Yep. One minute right, remaining again. in the podcast. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash tech hockey guide. Patrons at the white level or above receive question priority. Patrons at the black level or above receive extra podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. Patrons at the gold level or above receive access to unfiltered YouTube video of our podcast each week. Follow us on Twitter at Chasing MacPod or at Tech Hockey Guide. You can submit questions through Twitter, Facebook, or on our Patreon page if I remember to actually ask you for them. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find the podcast and you decide a choice, please let us know and we'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, and share, the more people we can reach, so tell your friends. If you give us a five-star rating, Dustin will read the review that you leave no matter what it says, so let's get some ratings and hear what you guys have to say. Once again, thanks to our sponsors, Fibke Dental and Rhinelander, Wisconsin, Arcadia Insurance, and Livonia Technical Services. Finally, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at the thankyounotes.bandcamp.com. been listening to the chasing mcnaughton podcast presented by 
Tech Hockey Guide, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA.